Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, educating the investors of the South Shore and the Merrimack Valley on 95.9 FM WATD and also now 980 AM WCAP in Lowell. Good morning, everyone. I hope everyone is well. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Thanks for joining me this morning. I think I have a fun show set for today, planned for today. Um, one of my favorite topics to talk about on air and with clients is Roth IRAs. A lot of buzz about Roths for very good reason. Everyone's heard of a Roth. They might not know uh, the specifics about it or if it's appropriate for them or if they need one, etc. So I wanted to spend literally two hours this morning talking about Roth IRAs. I think they're a fantastic investment vehicle. I think they're potential. I think they're underutilized and should be utilized more by many people. Um, we'll talk about all things surrounding Roth contributions, Roth conversions, Roth four hundred one ks. So, t- so the official uh, topic of this morning's show is why you may need a Roth IRA. Uh, 781-837-4900 if you're listening on the South Shore and you have any questions for us this morning. I'm joined by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. Good morning. Morning. Can you hear me? It's a good thing we're not uh, broadcasting Zoom live over Facebook this morning. Are you still in your pajamas? Maybe. Oh, We're Zooming this morning so he can be home with the little ones and I'm here in studio, so... Uh, But thank goodness for technology. And yes, we will not, uh, we won't record this video. How about that, Kirk? That sounds good. All right. I appreciate that. Uh, All right. So um, we can, you know, digress, segue, whatever, you know, talk about market related stuff too, but this morning, but I love talking about Roths. I have lots of conversations with people about them. People have a lot of questions about them. I think they're broadly appropriate for a lot of people. Um, I think they're a great investment tool and I, th- I could easily talk about them for two hours, but if you have other stuff you want to um, talk about, we can do that as well. Okay. Um, so I, I guess I wanted to start with a little bit of background and, and definition. So um, Roths differ from other types of retirement accounts and that's due to the taxability of Roths at the, at the beginning when you fund and at the Uh, in retirement when you withdraw. So a a traditional IRA 401k uh, investment vehicle is by nature, uh, those investment vehicles, the contributions that you make to those types of accounts 
are tax deductible, meaning you receive a tax deduction in the year that you fund your deductible 401k, deductible IRA, even other investment vehicles like SEP, SEP IRAs, uh, simple IRAs, 403Bs. Most of the contributions that people make to those investment vehicles are deductible, which means that they receive a tax break, a dollar for dollar reduction in taxable income in the year that they fund those types of retirement accounts. I would call those like a traditional retirement account. Actually, it's traditional IRA is a separate, a separate term, but most people that put money either through their employer's plan or into IRAs on their own, they receive a tax deduction to do so. So it's in other words, in, in the year that you contribute, they're very tax efficient because you lower your your gross income and thus in most circumstances you, your taxes due in that year. With with those deductible types of retirement plans, then if you fast forward into retirement years, that is when you will pay your taxes on those dollars. So if you put a thousand dollars into an IRA and then forty years later you pull ten thousand dollars out of that thousand dollar IRA you pay all of your taxes upon withdrawal. So you pay taxes on the dollars that you put in and you pay taxes on the earnings. Um, and in the world of retire 401k IRAs, uh, under, car under new law, people are required to take withdrawals from those accounts starting at the age of 72. Previously, 70 and a half, now it's over the age of 72. Of course, the exception is 2020 due to uh, the federal stimulus surrounding COVID-19. So this is the exception to the required distribution. This year is the exception to the required minimum distribution rule. But in, in, uh, in probably all other tax years, well, all other tax years in the past and, and likely in the future, people will be required to draw funds out of their IRAs and 401ks because the government essentially wants their tax revenue because they gave those people a tax break at the beginning. So that's the world of traditional deductible, put money in my retirement plan, get a tax break in that year. And then when I draw the money out later, I'm gonna pay income taxes. The Roth is the complete opposite. So when you put money into a Roth, now there are Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks. And I think we could talk about, we'll talk about specifics, uh, or the specific differences between those two types of accounts. But when you put money into a Roth investment uh, account, then you, you do not receive a tax deduction. That's an after tax contribution. You've already paid taxes on that money. You put your money in, no tax break in current year. But then if you fast forward to retirement, so if you're over the age of 59 and a half and you've had the Roth open for five or more years, then all of the dollars come out of the Roth tax-free. So it's essentially the exact opposite of the uh, deductible IRA in that with the Roth, pay taxes now, put money in, no taxes later, again, assuming you've satisfied that uh, certain requirements for to make that Roth distribution a qualified distribution. And we'll talk about a couple um, additional types of qualified distributions. But, but in terms of retirement, you have to be over 59 and a half and have the Roth open for five years. The great thing about the Roth is all of the earnings on that contribution also come out tax-free. So, so again, if you put $1,000 into a Roth IRA, you paid taxes on that $1,000. And then if you fast forward 40 years and you're pulling $10,000 out of a Roth IRA after you're 59 and a half, all the entire 10,000 under current tax law comes out tax-free. So you got your capital back of a thousand, but you also got your $9,000 of earnings in that example, tax-free. That is different from a traditional deductible retirement account because in, the in a traditional deductible retirement account, yes, you get a tax break when you fund the account, but you pay taxes later on the dollars you put in and on all of the earnings. So the Roth is more beneficial in that regard because earnings come out tax-free for qualified Roth distributions. So, that, so if you have a Roth for 20, 30, 40 years, I mean, our earnings on invested dollars over that period of time can be quite substantial. So, so taking advantage of the tax-free nature of the earnings in a Roth IRA is pretty amazing.
I've been talking a lot, Kirk, and I need to take yeah. a sip, so jump in anytime. Well, no, yeah, I think that I think that's probably the probably the main piece is well is is the time. You know, the the time that it that I mean, if you have a long enough period of time and it and it grows and compounds, yeah, that's a pretty substantial number that you could really take advantage of. Um, you know, as far as the taxes go, and you know, we often talk. You know, if we talk to a client about you know, what makes sense, you know, traditional versus Roth, you know, sometimes, you know, the consideration is, you know, how old they are and, you know, you know, the younger, the better, I suppose, you know, as far as far as that time being concerned and the compounding. But, you know, and I guess another thing is if that, you know, maybe if they are older, but they're, you know, they're thinking about doing it or asking about it. And if maybe maybe the money's not for them, maybe it's for a child. Well then, okay. So then there is, you know, there is some more time there, um, you know, for that for that money to grow and compound, and, and it still might make sense, you know, to do a Roth or, or a conversion, uh, even for older folks. Um, yeah, and I did want to talk about uh, conversions here in a minute, but just while you were talking about that, I was pulling up a um, savings account calculator online just to give people an example of the impact of, yeah. So one of the things we'll talk about throughout, I think throughout the course of this show is that Roth IRAs really, you really see the benefit from those if you have a lot of years. In other words, someone who is um, 60 years old, still working and uh, is planning to retire at 62 or 60, even 65, that that person might not see if they just start a Roth IRA then, or right, or late fifties, early sixties, whatever. If they're just starting a Roth IRA, sort of later in their working years, they're in their closer to retirement. Making Roth contributions probably won't be as appropriate for them because they're not gonna, they're not gonna have enough time for that compounding of interest. And, and and that tax-free withdrawal of that, the interest compounding, um, they, they won't have as much time to see the benefits of that versus someone who's 25, 30, 35, 40 even, and they have a lot more years in which they're gonna see the benefit of compounding. That's, that's gonna come into play pretty significantly when we talk about Roth conversions and if those are appropriate for people because there's all additional tax considerations surrounding that. Um, and I guess I shouldn't, you know, someone who's, you know, listeners that are late 50s or early 60s shouldn't necessarily, it, I don't mean to say that Roths are necessarily inappropriate for them. They, they certainly could be. I just don't think they're gonna see the same benefits the same tax benefits, excuse me, as someone who's younger. Unless someone, you know, 55 or 60 is tucking money into Roths and they don't plan to use it maybe in their lifetime or maybe they don't plan to use it for 20 years or maybe they plan to hold it and let their kids inherit it. In which case then then maybe they do have 20, 30 years, uh, you know, in order to see the, that compounding of interest really make an impact um, and to see the tax benefits of that. Yeah, and one, you know, one other thing, maybe, you know, maybe if, you know, the spouse that's working is, you know, older per se, but maybe they have a younger spouse, you know, so there might be, you know, there might be a gap there that provides some, some time as well. Yeah. I was just going to do, um, I pulled up a quick savings calculator on bank rate. Bank rate is, um, I have no affiliation with them other than I've been on the website several times and they have a lot of different calculators, financial calculators, um, where you can, uh, well, they just have a lot of different financial calculators. So I was good. I was playing around with, you know, somebody that has a thousand dollars, and they they put a thousand dollars into an account, and they have, and then they don't add anything to it, and then ten years later, if they can earn, let's say, a six percent rate of return per year, they turn that thousand dollars into almost eighteen hundred dollars in ten years time. We're talking about relatively small dollars. It might make more sense if we talk about like let's say a let's call it a six thousand dollar contribution to a Roth because actually uh, for calendar 2020 and calendar 2019 someone under the age of 50 is limited uh, to putting six thousand dollars into a Roth IRA. Roth 401ks have higher contribution limits but if someone has uh 
six out they put six thousand dollars into a Roth and then they don't touch it. Let's say they're fifty and they don't touch it for ten years. Well, they can turn that six thousand. Let's assume a six percent per year rate of return. They turn that six thousand into ten thousand eight hundred. Right. So that person that had that ten years and that six percent rate of return, they their growth or their earnings on that six thousand was about forty eight hundred bucks. So they yes, they get their six thousand back tax free. They already paid taxes on that. They're also getting forty eight hundred dollars back tax free. Okay, that's for like an older person with a ten years and ten years is I guess in our world it's still a relatively short period of time when you're talking about planning for retirement. Not that ten years is a short period of time, but now let's do it over uh, 40 years. So let's say, you know, a 25 year old, they, they put six, or put $6,000 into a Roth and then fast forward 40 years. And if they can earn the same 6% rate of return, they grow their $6,000 into $61,000. That's a, that's a much longer investment, uh, time period, of course, but their growth over that period of time on that $6,000 investment at 6% per year for 40 years is 55, almost $56,000. So it, for that person that contributes at a younger age and can leave that money invested in the Roth for a really long period of time. So they're getting their $6,000 back. Granted, 40 years later, $6,000 doesn't spend like any anything like it did 40 years prior, but they also get Fifty-five thousand, almost fifty-six thousand dollars back, tax-free. So that's where that's where these Roth Roths really differ from traditional deductible retirement plans because you can, if you have a long enough period of time, you can really take advantage of tax-free compounded earnings on your investment. So that's pretty cool. I love playing around with savings calculators. So if anyone likes to play around with calculator tools, uh, bank rate, again, no affiliation uh, with them. They just have a lot of calculators on their website and I've played around with them before. They're pretty easy to use, uh, bankrate.com. And I was just playing around with the simple savings one. They probably also have a Roth calculator where you can determine if a Roth contribution is better than a deductible one uh, under under different situations. Um, so I wanted, I actually, I went back and I was looking at when um, IRAs and 401ks were created. So IRAs, um, traditional deductible retirement plans that anyone can, can add to, anyone that has earned income um, and is not covered through a retirement plan at work, uh, anyone, regardless of whether they have uh, if they don't have a retirement plan, excuse me, offered to them through work, people can people with earned income can contribute to an IRA. So those were created back in 1974 under the Employee Retirement and Income Act, uh, otherwise known as ERISA. So IRAs were first available in 1975, and 401ks. Were, then became available in 19, due to the 1978 Revenue Act. I actually don't know if they were first available in 78 or 79, but just a few years later, 401ks became available. Now, I wanna talk for a moment about when it may be prudent to do to make a deductible contribution versus an after-tax contribution, because this is really important. So. Really, the, really, it comes down to taking advantage of your tax bracket, right? So in, in our country, we have a tiered tax system where people pay taxes at different rates depending on their income. So lower income earners will pay taxes at a lower rate, 10%, 12%. Higher income earners will pay taxes at a higher rate, um, 24%, 32%. Um, and the current highest tax bracket uh, for 2020 is 37%. Um, so what makes sense for you really, in my opinion, well, it depends on several things, but primarily depends on tax bracket now versus tax bracket later. So 
Many people that are in their working years, especially in their later working years, 40s, 50s, 60s, et cetera, when they have advanced in their career and they're sort of making the most money that they ever had in their life. So people in their like, in their later working years, you know, they've developed in their profession, career, et cetera, and they, they might have their highest income that they'll ever have those people are gonna be in their highest tax bracket years. So, so you, you, want to the, you want to be able to take tax deductions when you're in a high bracket and you wanna realize income in a low bracket. So that means when you're paying taxes at one of the higher tax brackets, you want to shrink your income so that you don't have to pay as much in those higher tax brackets. So people in their highest working earning years are gonna wanna take deductions because if they fast forward to their retirement years, they might be in a lower tax bracket. Sometimes that happens because they don't have the same income needs, you know, the mortgage is paid off, et cetera. Um, they're, or they're not, you know, putting their kids through college, what have you. So those people, that are in a lower tax bracket in retirement, they wanna take a deduction while they're working and in their high bracket years, and they wanna pay taxes. No, not that anybody wants to pay taxes, but you're gonna pay your taxes at some point, the tax man will get his revenue, so you're gonna wanna pay when you're in a lower tax bracket. So, for, so that's another reason that older working Americans the Roth might not be as appropriate for them as making a deductible contribution if it's going to be one or the other. Because if, you know, if you're an executive and you're making 400,000 a year, you're in a high tax bracket, which depends on whether you're married or single, but, and then when you're retired, you know, maybe you don't have the same income needs and, and your uh, income comes from different places, not all taxable. So you might drop a bracket or two, right? So those people, uh, that I just described will want to utilize tax deductible retirement plans, not necessarily Roths. And then on the contrary, someone who is um, in a low tax bracket, so maybe just start, you know, on the younger side, maybe are just starting out in their career or, um, for whatever reason, they're they're assuming they'll be in a higher tax bracket later. We could also get into discussion about how tax brackets might change over time. And actually, I do want to touch on that after the break. But someone that's in a low bracket now and thinks they might be in either the same tax bracket in retirement or they might be in a higher tax bracket in retirement, those people are going to want to, those are the people that are going to want to get as much money as they can into Roth accounts and pay their taxes when they're in that low bracket and then take tax-free income later. So people that are like 20s and 30s, for example, maybe they haven't um, reached their full income potential at work um, or you know, they haven't, yeah, so haven't reached their full income potential or whatever at work and couple that with the, facts that the fact that tax brackets can change really at any given time with new tax legislation and could certainly go up in the future. Um, those are the type of people that really it's prudent to take advantage of Roths and get money in and get that, you know, the, those earnings compounding and get money in when they're paying taxes at a fairly low rate. But I, and I did actually some research on historical tax brackets and I want to get into that um, after the break. We just have a couple more minutes though, so I didn't want to start now. So Kirk, do you have any comments on that? Um, just that, you know, when people ask about, you know, again, you know, people ask us, you know, what should they be doing? And well, you know, and, and as you've mentioned, it, you know, it's, it's, it, it mostly boils down to, you know, tax situation and, and you know, what tax bracket they're in, uh, you know, currently versus what tax bracket they might be in uh, in retirement. And, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a hard, you know, it's not always easy because it's, it's kind of a moving target. And, and as you also said, you know, the IRS could change, you know, could change tax brackets and, and have changed tax brackets, you know, over time. And, you know, you don't really know, you know, what the future landscape um, looks like. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, in, in general, um, you know, most, as you said, most people are, you know, in a higher tax bracket while they're working, but but that's not always the case. And, and, it, and it is a little bit of an unknown. And I think to that end, um, you know, for somebody that has the, you know, if somebody has a 401k with, you know, with a Roth option, 
Um, you know, I and I, th I think yourself, you know, often recommend that, that maybe they do a little bit of both, um, just kind of as, as a hedge against against the unknown, um, you know, the unknown future of, of taxes. Absolutely. I love hedging and diversifying. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of my 20 and 30 something couples, even if they're in, even if they make good money and they're in a relatively high or one of the middle brackets, I have, I generally have them at least get some money into Roths because you just never know how tax brackets will change. But we have a lot to discuss on tax brackets after this. It's actually super fun. I went back and looked at historical tax brackets back to the 70s and 80s, and this is very interesting, so stay tuned. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. We're talking about why you may need a Roth IRA. We're taking a quick break, and we'll be right back. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. He is home with the kids. Actually, just one kid this morning. It's like so easy. She's still sleeping too. No, she's awake. Oh, okay. Well, she's being good and quiet so far. Um, yes. So we are Zooming this morning and we are talking about why you... It was supposed to be why you need a Roth IRA, but I can't make that statement to every single one of the listeners. So I, so why you may need a Roth IRA, but I do, but I do, as I said earlier in the introduction, I do think that they're very broadly appropriate and underutilized. So I went, we talked about how, um, I touched on the fact that IRAs and 401ks were established in the seventies. So 1975 for IRAs and 1978 for 401ks. So those are the, those are the deductible investments where, excuse me, deductible accounts where dollars that go in, you receive a tax deduction and then you pay your taxes later in retirement. So I went back to what were tax brackets in 1975, because right before the break, we had this discussion about really the decision regarding, like, let's say someone has $6,000, right? And and they say, um, I, I want to put $6,000 away for my retirement this year. Should I put it in an IRA or a, for, or a Roth IRA? So that comes down to a tax bracket decision and an age decision, as we just touched on. The longer the time horizon, the more beneficial Roth IRAs become but it comes down to a tax bracket decision, right? So in 19, first of all, right now under current tax law, we have seven tax brackets and they are, um, oh gosh, I have to get my window open. 10, the 10% 10 bracket, 12, 22, 24, 32, 35, and 37. So right now the federal tax bracket, the highest tax bracket that we have under the current law is um, 37%. This, it was recently 39.6. And this is set to go back to 39.6 in 2025. But back in the 70s, when IRAs were established, do you want to take a guess at what the highest tax bracket was? In the 70s? Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing it was higher. Uh, You'll never guess. It's so high. 70%. The highest tax bracket in 1975 was 70%. Now, this was for people uh, married, filing jointly, people that made over $200,000 45 years ago. So the present value of $200,000, gosh, it's got to be close to a million, right? I was doing some present value calculations um, really quickly. Hold on. That was 45 years ago, right? Yeah, Sorry, $700,000, but, yeah. but 70%. Now, just for people that, uh, that doesn't mean someone was paying 70% on all of their income if they made over $100,000 in the 70s, but at the, uh, the, on their dollars back then, over 100,000, 70% went to the federal government in addition to state taxes. So, and by the way, so right now we have seven tax brackets. In 1975, there were 25 tax brackets from 14% all the way to 70%. Um, so what this means is we have a tiered system where if you're in, like right now, let's let's just do a simple example. Right now, if someone is in the 24% tax bracket, which is the fourth bracket, yeah. 
That means they'll pay some income at 0% because everyone gets a standard deduction or an itemized deduction. They'll pay some taxes at 10%. They'll pay some taxes at 12%. They'll pay some at 22 and then they'll pay their top tier at 24%, right? So, so just because you're in the you know, for example, uh, 24% bracket doesn't mean you're paying federal income taxes at 20 uh, of 24% on all of your income. It's it's a it's a tiered or a graduated schedule. But isn't that amazing? Uh, top top tax bracket in, in the 70s was uh, 70%. Um, so then I went back. Well, I was going to say, you know, so that's you know a good point about. So yeah, so you pay, you know, so you have an average tax rate basically. Yep. The, calculate based on you know what you said about the, the tiered schedule and but you know you need to, like on on a year by year basis you know you're you're you could potentially be constantly floating up or down you know if you if you if because the brackets you know they've got certain ranges and you know you need to be kind of aware of where you are and if if something you know you have some kind of event uh, you know that happens you know you uh, whatever you inherit something, you sell something, you know something that you know perhaps realizes a gain, or and it puts you up into the next bracket. Um, you know that could be significant enough where you know where it does make sense to you know try to do something to to reduce that you know to reduce that tax um, because you know bumping up a bracket can be significant, uh, especially if you're not expecting it. Um, it can you know you know, add, add some significant ta uh, taxes uh, that you're maybe not thinking about. Yeah. Like one of the, we actually have one of the bumps is a 10% bump. So like married couples filing jointly, if their taxable income is less than 80,250, that's not gross income, it's taxable income. So it's after deduction and after deductible contributions. So a, a married couple filing jointly, they're in the 12% bracket if their income is less than roughly $80,000. Sorry, I'm just hearing it. Sorry, I I'm just, just hearing it. Wanted to make sure that was okay. <laughs> Am I doing something wrong? Is everything okay? Oh, now it sounds fine. Um, but if their income is over eighty thousand two fifty one, they jump. Their bracket jumps ten percent to the twenty two percent bracket. So some of the jumps are big. Like we have a twenty two and a twenty four percent bracket. That's not a big jump. But twelve to twenty two is a big jump, and twenty four to thirty two is an eight percent uh, jump. So th that's pretty big. Um, so let me just go. I just you know I love talking about taxes and stuff. But let me just go back to the historical tax brackets. So like in the seventies, where the highest bracket was seventy percent, and then. Um, actually, it was like 1970, sorry, 1980, the tax brackets changed a little bit. And then the highest bracket was 50%, which is lower than 70, but still 50% as the highest tax, tax bracket, quite significant. Um, and it wasn't until 1987 that the top bracket went down to where it roughly is now. It was 38.5% was the highest tax bracket in 1987. But in those mid 70s, late 70s and early 80s years, those tax brackets were quite substantial. And it's not that, um, and I keep, I keep harping on, you know, 70% being the top bracket. And it's not like most people were taxed at like 30% and then it jumped to 70. There was everything in between, you know, 36, 38, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60. So like there were so many brackets. Um, but in a lot of them, quite substantial, yeah. I, you know, just another, you know, another good, um, you know, plug uh, for the Roth is, you know, so say, you know, say you are retired and, you know, you're taking income from your investments and, you know, if, you know, for whatever reason, maybe you need some extra money uh, in a particular year and you are on the cusp, you know, of going into the next higher bracket, now, if you have if you have some money in a Roth, you can grab some money out of the Roth that year and, and avoid you know jump jumping a bracket. Right. Uh, so just one other one other nice nice thing about them. Right. And the the reason I started getting into this historical tax bracket discussion, well, number one, there's the point that tax brackets do change, and and like we said, uh, and tax brackets now are historically pretty low if if you factor in where they were 30, 40 years ago. Um, but I think it's a really really important point 
that IRAs and 401ks, so these deductible investment accounts, were established at a time where tax brackets were a lot higher than they are now. And a time when people needed those tax deductions. Like for example, in 1975, a single person making um, $32,000 and I did a, that was 45 years ago. So I did a future value calculation assuming 2.8% inflation, which I think is pretty close. Um, uh, so a single, so in today's dollars, 45 years ago, a single person making over $110,000, I'm sorry, with taxable income over $110,000, they were in the 50% tax bracket. Whereas now a single person making $110,000 is in the 24% tax bracket. That's a huge difference, right? So think of right, right now, you're single, you make 130,000, you put some money in retirement, you take a standard deduction. So your taxable income is 110,000. You're in the 24% bracket. So you pay some taxes at 24, some at 22, some at 12, some at 10, and some at zero, right? But, but 45 years ago, you would have been paying your highest, you, the highest rate you would have been paying is 50% on uh, federal, on your 50% uh, taxes to the federal government and some at 45 and some at 40 and some at 38 <laughs> and it goes on and on. It's like just crazy. So, so back then, deductible contributions were way more attractive and necessary so that people could shrink their taxable income and, and, and try to avoid paying taxes at all these higher rates. And I just think that that's really important because that's not... It's not quite the same today. Everyone kind of hems and haws and about paying taxes and nobody wants to see that big number on their tax return as far as what they owed last year. And, and, and you know, and that's not fun. And, and um, you know, that's not fun. But I don't think shrinking your taxable income is quite as urgent these days compared to where it was 30 or 40 years ago. And so I, I just think that that's another... So I, I guess where I'm going with that is that deductible contributions are just the, they're like the norm and, and that's just kind of the default for people. But I, I, I wish that would change. I hope that that will change over time because getting money into Ross and paying taxes now at a low rate um, and getting tax-free income later where we might, you know, we might have tax brackets that are higher again in the future based on, um, you know, the, the amount of debt that, the, the, you know, that the government has and the, the federal deficit and the debt and, you know, these stimulus packages and we're even more in debt. And, and um, you know, I just, I tax brackets, I just think something's got to give. And, and so I just think that that's a super important point that I, I wish that, I sort of wish that deductible contributions weren't necessarily the norm. And one of the reasons for us talking about this today is to educate people on, you know, give Roth contributions a shot. You know, yeah, it stinks to not have that deduction. You pay a little bit more in taxes this year, but but wow, that is well worth it when you fast forward to your retirement and you're getting tax-free income out of there. And, um, you know, it really depends on where tax brackets in, are in the future, but I think that's really cool. Yeah, I was gonna, you know, I was gonna say the exact same thing. I mean, if, if if tax brackets were that high in the past, you know, it's possible that they could be there again sometime. Um, yeah. You know, unlike, unlikely that it's gonna happen anytime soon, but uh, but over over a number, you know, over you know, twenty years or whatever, it could potentially be back there. I mean, ho hopefully not, but um, yeah. anything's possible. I mean, for you know, so for older folks, that's pro you know probably not gonna happen in their lifetime, pro probably. Right. Um, but again. Another, another good reason for younger people uh, to be considering Roth because, you know, a better chance that it could happen in their lifetime, you know, tax brackets uh, going up, uh, um, you know, considerably uh, in the future. Yeah. Um, have you, you know, another question that sometimes people, I've, people have asked as well, you know, is it possible that they, you know, stop Roths or they, you know, or they change, you know, change the rule? Yeah. Uh, and I... I mean, obviously, no, nobody knows the answer to that um, because that's you know looking into the future. But you know, uh, you know, from what I've read or seen or heard, um, you know, it's it's you know it's, it's very 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 unlikely that they would change anything regarding you know existing Roth uh, money. Um, 
I mean, it, not not to say it's impossible. I mean, it's certainly you know an act of Congress could could change that, but um, I would say it's unlikely that if you have existing money in a Roth, they're going to change the rules on that. But um, you know, potentially they could. Um, they could uh, well. So as of right now, and I, I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but you know, right now there are no required distributions uh, on Roth money. You know, so that's something they could change. You know, they could they can impose you know required distributions on Roths at some point. Um, you know, to um, you know get some money out of there because basically, yeah, that money's growing tax deferred forever. Um, you know, um, or maybe or maybe they put a cap on you know on how much a Roth IRA can have in it. Yeah, uh, potential. Uh, and once it hits a certain number, you know, you can't contribute anymore. Um, you know, so there are some, some things that they might do to, to limit, um, you know, their, you know, their exposure per se um, to Roths. But I would say it's unlikely that they change the rule completely. And, you know, another reason was that that I that I read was, you know, basically all the, you know, all the, um, you know, all the all these, you know, Congress people and senators, I mean, they're obviously all older and they probably have Roth money and why, you know, they wouldn't want to change, you know, they're probably not going to vote to change that. So um, it's, it's unlikely, I would say. Um, I would think so. Yeah. Sometimes I do think about that as well. Like they're almost, uh, they're almost too good to be true. Um, and sometimes I do get worried that they won't be around forever. Um, another reason for people to get money in now when they when they can, if they can, and we'll actually we'll talk in a minute about how not everyone is eligible to make a Roth contribution. In fact, if you're a high income earner, you're not. But there are ways to get money into Roths. We can we'll touch on that. Um, but yeah, sometimes I worry that they are a little bit too good to be true. You're right. I think people that have if if legislation ever changes, I think that people that already have Roth dollars would be grandfathered. Um, you know, maybe there are means tested, like maybe social security is means tested one day. Maybe the taxability of your Roth is means tested or something. I'm just totally speculating. Um, but actually part of me thinks that they'll never be eliminated because the great thing about the Roth from the government's perspective is that they get their tax revenue. They, they get it right away, right? So someone that's making a deductible IRA contribution at 30 years old, the government is not getting their tax revenue on that money for like 30 years, right? And whereas a Roth, the government is just, they're getting their tax revenue. So I have a hard time actually thinking that that the government would eliminate uh, Roth contributions because um, they want, they need tax revenue right. stat. So, but yeah, the, the tax-free nature of the earnings and the beauty of all that is, um, yeah, sometimes I do, I do worry about those. I hope there's no legislators listening. They're, don't, don't, don't take those away from us. Actually, no, I hope they're listening. Then don't take them away from us, right? Um, no. I just wanted to, yeah, I wanted to touch on uh, just a couple important things. So um, there are Roth IRAs and there are Roth 401ks and there are actually, though I've never stumbled upon one, Kirk, and I wonder if you have, there are actually Roth 403bs. I've, but I've mm. never stumbled upon them. Uh, whether or not an employer sponsor, an employer sponsored plan allows people to make a Roth contribution, that's a plan specific choice. So the employer setting up that 401k or 403b plan makes that decision whether or not they're going to allow employees to make Roth contributions. They're, I think they're becoming more popular. I seem to be having more and more discussions with people that say, yes, that is an option in my 401k. Uh, but I, like I said, I've never stumbled upon anyone that has a 403b that where they can make a Roth contribution uh, or if they can, they don't know it. Uh, sometimes that information is not easily accessible or, or, you know, people might not quite understand when they're, you know, handed that packet about their retirement plan options through work. Um, so just a couple of distinctions. So a Roth 401k means you, you know, you have a 401k through your employer. And if that employer allows, you can make after tax. Roth contributions to the 401k and or you can make deductible contributions to the 401k or you can do some blend like in like in my 401k for example I do a blend some of my contributions are deductible and some of them are Roth for a little diversification and a little hedge um me too and right <laughs> and um so so you don't when you have the Roth option available within your 401k it's not an all or nothing decision. You can have a blended contribution. So you can still take some uh, tax deduction on some dollars and some dollars you can tuck into the Roth. 
The Roth 401ks are great because there's a higher contribution limit and there's no income restrictions. So if you have a 401k, a Roth, sorry, if you have a 401k and that 401k allows you to make Roth contributions, sometimes you have to check with HR or you have to log in to see, you know, to manipulate the contribution and see uh, if it allows you, if it says anything about Roth, Roth contribution. Um, they're great because they're, first of all, someone that's under age 50 in 2020 can put $19,500 into a 401k. That includes Roth contributions. So someone that has a Roth 401k, they could make a half a million dollars a year and they could put $19,500 in a Roth 401k. If, they're, if someone is 50 or older, they can put $26,000 in a 401k and that includes Roth. And so, and like I said, there's no income restrictions, which is very different from a traditional, I'm sorry, I shouldn't use that word traditional, which is very different from a Roth because a Roth IRA, which is the, not through your employer, but just a regular old Roth IRA, if you are a single person and you make more than $139,000 in 2020, you cannot put money into a Roth. So there are eligibility restrictions on Roth IRAs, um, but that is not the case with Roth 401ks and isn't that beautiful. Um, for example, and just another example, so a married couple filing jointly, if you're joint, what they call modified adjusted gross income. It's like similar to your adjusted gross income, which is a line item on your tax return, uh, but it could be a little bit different for some people. If your modified adjusted gross income is more than $206,000 married filing jointly, both spouses are ineligible to make Roth IRA contributions. So year over year eligibility for Roth IRA depends on income. And there's also a phase, there's a phase in period. Some people are partially eligible, et cetera. But um, essentially if you're a relatively high income earner, either single or married, you might not be able to get money in a Roth IRA, but that's another beautiful thing about the Roth 401k is that there's no income restrictions and you can get a lot more money in there. So um, I think it's worth it for whoever's listening just to at least find out if Roth, if you have a 401k, if the Roth contribution or, option or is available. Sorry, or 403b, yeah. Have you have you ever stumbled across someone that has Roth option in their 403b? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, but yeah, so, th so that's very cool. And then you touched on, so one other thing related to that is that people should know that if you have a 401k and let's say you have a deductible 401k just uh, and you don't have the Roth option. And let's say you're maxing it out. You're under, you're 45 years old and you're putting 19,500 in your 401k. If you are not one of those higher income earners that I referenced a moment ago, you can also put money into a Roth IRA. So you could potentially, let's say a single person this is a great saver, right? This person's a great saver. Single person who, let's say they make $120,000 a year. That person can max a 401k at 19,500 for 2020 and they can put $6,000 into a Roth IRA because you can do a 401k and a Roth IRA in the same year. You can actually, this is so wonderful. You can actually put money into a Roth 401k and a Roth IRA in the same year. Now the, these, but again, like I said, in order to be Roth IRA eligible, you cannot make your, your modified adjusted gross income or what they call MAGI, uh, like if you're single, it can't be over 139,000. And if you're married, it can't be over 206,000. That's different from gross income. So just because you're single and you make 150K, uh, don't assume you can't contribute to a Roth. In fact, you probably actually could because this because this modified adjusted gross is, God, a CPA can call if I'm wrong, but modified adjusted gross is after deductible contribution, after standard or itemized deduction. So you can actually 
make a little bit more than the numbers I'm quoting and still be eligible because of those deductions. Um, but that that's really, modified adjusted gross is really something that your tax preparer, uh, your tax preparer really needs to tell you if you're uh, Roth eligible, if you're close to those numbers or your TurboTax software will, will tell you that if you're Roth eligible. Um, but yeah, that's just, that's uh, the Roth 401k is super cool because you could be a high income earner and still get almost $20,000 into a Roth 401k um, if you're under 50 and 26,000 if you're over 50. So yeah, so and just a couple quick little distinctions too, as you mentioned, you were talking about required distributions. So Roth IRAs do not have required minimum distribution uh, requirements the way that traditional retirement accounts do. So traditional 401ks, IRAs, once you're over 72, you're required to draw because the government wants their tax revenue. But with Roth IRAs, there's no required distribution during your lifetime uh, because the government already has their tax revenue. So they're not imposing a withdrawal on that. There are, however, required distributions to someone that inherits a Roth IRA. So beneficiary Roth IRAs, th those have required distributions and those are new. Actually, we could touch on those after the break because it's a little bit different than it's been in the past. Um, so but, those are awesome. They're, you're not forced to draw money out. Those are great chunks of money to leave to the kids because of that, again, about that, that compounding of interest over long periods of time, that compounding and then that tax-free withdrawal of those compounding interests. Your, your beneficiaries also draw from Roth accounts tax-free. There are, yeah, that's what there, I wanted, yeah, there, wanted to say. Even though, even though they have, you know, the your your beneficiaries have, they have to take required distributions, but they but they're still tax free distributions, which is which is the key piece. Right. Um, qu quick little quick little caveat to that is that four hundred one Roth four hundred one Ks do have required distribution, uh, do have required distributions post stage 72, but if you roll the dollars out of that Roth 401k and into a Roth IRA, you you can forego that required minimum distribution. Um, so or, there, there's or, a little more. Or, or if you're still working. That's right, thank you. Or if you're still working post uh, past age 72, right. And, but you're not self, right, but you can't be self-employed or you can't be a, right. more than like a 10% owner of the company or something, yeah. Um, all right. I know, I'm getting super excited. There's still more to talk about on Roth IRAs and why why you may need a Roth IRA. The Roth and all its beauty, my favorite, my favorite topic to discuss. Uh, you're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed here with my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. We're talking about Roth IRAs and 401ks today. Uh, lots to discuss, super fun topic. We're just taking a quick break. We'll be right back.